Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis, the third chapter. We're going to try to get through Revelation this morning, so I'm only kidding. (laughs) Genesis, the third chapter. I'm going to begin reading, actually, uh, up to uh, up to the point where I'm going to begin reading. We know that God instructed Adam in the garden. He told Adam to dress the garden, to keep it. The word uh, dress it, uh, cause it to flourish and prosper and bear fruit. And the word keep the garden, actually, in the Hebrew, means to surround it, uh, to surround it as with a, a, a wall of thorns, making sure nobody gets in and steals what rightfully belongs to you. And we know he said, instructed him not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That actually represented two things. It represented ownership, that God owns everything. You don't know, we don't own anything. It all belongs to God. But he's, uh, he's given us a stewardship over everything that he's given us. And then, and then he, uh, it also represents the tithe. That it uh, reminds, it reminds um, again, Adam, that, that uh, uh, God provides everything and through the tithe, he, he gives back to God as an express, the tithe is an expression of your faith and your trust in God, that he's the provider of everything in your life. And everybody say amen to that. Amen. So let's begin in verse eight. This is after he transgressed God's word. Then the man, this is the NAV, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want you to catch that, they hid. And that's sad, they hid themselves from God. And uh, the Lord, uh, excuse me, yeah, but the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? How many believe that God knew where where he was? (laughs) And uh, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. The first time we find fear lodged in the heart of Adam. And why was he afraid? Because God said, the day that you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. So he thought God was coming to take his life. I'm very grateful that um, that mercy far exceeds our transgression, and I'm very grateful for that. And uh, he answered, but he said, uh, who told you that, I'm sorry, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Of course, God already knew. But he's, and the man said, well, the woman uh, you put here with me, uh, she's the blame. And that's something, if you would not have given me this woman, I probably wouldn't have been there at that tree. And so he transfers the blame to the woman, which of course man has been doing for the last 6,000 years. And all the ladies went, oh me. And then he goes on and says this, uh, then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And uh, the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So she put the blame, of course, on the serpent. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and of all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, that word actually means hostility, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So I just want you to focus on that last phrase for a moment for the direction that God is taking us today. The Bible says he, that's the seed of the woman, or we, that is Jesus specifically, will crush your head. That word actually means your rank or your position of power. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. 
So here in Genesis, we have the first, uh, we have the first um, proof of a messianic prophecy. It's the first messianic prophecy recorded in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. It's called a messianic prophecy. In fact, in the Bible, there are 365 messianic prophecies, one for every day of the year. Every one of them, listen, every one of them re were redemptive seeds of a promised hope to a world that was broken and needed fixing. And so this was, this was, every one of them were redemptive seeds. So what is a prophecy? Here it is. It's a predetermined prediction, um, specifically a message from God inspired by the Holy Ghost and spoken through men of God or men of faith. The term Messianic prophecy refers to a compilation of predictions over a span of 1,000 years by different men. Only God could pull that off. Can I have an amen to that? They have, they have undeniable accuracy, even though they were spread across over a thousand year period. Um, uh, 2 Peter 1.20 says this, For no prophecy recorded in the Bible was ever thought up by the prophet himself. It was the Holy Spirit within these godly men who gave them the true messages from God. And so that every prophet that rose up and spoke the will of God and Satan took out, he would kill them. Another prophet, another one would rise up and continue to decree uh, what God had promised. So over a span of 4,000 years, men of God studying the Torah, studying the, the prophet's letters uh, regarding the coming Messiah that God had promised. Um, we, we want to look at one this morning. And it's out, actually found in the book of Isaiah. It, it was actually fulfilled six months prior to Jesus' birth. And this is one prophecy you would have thought that all of these great biblical scholars would have recognized, but they didn't. And I believe the reason they did it is because of 2 Corinthians 4.4. The God of this world blinds the minds of them that don't believe. That's what the Bible says. He blinds the minds of that, that don't believe. And, and I'll just say this. Every time, listen to me, every time we disobey God's word, our spiritual eyes become more distorted to spiritual truth. So we're not able to get in the direction that we need from God. This is how important it is for us to not only believe the word of God, but to obey it. So today we're going to look at the specific prophecy that was actually fulfilled. And we, we read about this last night and the night before. It was, it was fulfilled uh, 700 years before uh, it was fulfilled. Uh, um, 700 years before it was fulfilled, uh, God spoke this promise into existence. He seeded it into the earth through men of God. And that is, of course, the, the John the Baptist and uh, what God called him to do regarding preparing the hearts of Israel to receive their Messiah. Isaiah 40, here's the prophecy. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be every mountain and hill made low the rough ground will become level the rugged places a plain this is all spiritually speaking it has nothing to do with the natural terrain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah and the Bible says all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it and we know through Isaiah 55 that every word that God speaks will not return on him void and then in Mark 1 Mark 1 he records this the fulfillment of this prophecy it says it is written in the Isaiah the prophet, 
I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, here's the fulfillment, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. <coughs> so let's go to Luke, the second chapter. And uh, uh, I will read this out of the King James. <coughs> and it's the story of John's birth. Let's go ahead and read verse uh, Luke 1 verse 5. Now there were in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. She was simply a descendant of Aaron the high priest. Okay. That's where her lineage came from. And the Bible says her name was Elizabeth. Now look at verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and, of, and the ordinance of the Lord blameless. Verse 7. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. It's so interesting when you read this. And here's a couple, according to verse 6, that had walked with God blameless for their entire lives. And there was only one thing that they desired as a couple and that that was to have a son and that was the one prayer that had never been answered. Not one. In the Message Bible it says this, together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. So spiritually speaking, we see no hindrances, as we can tell, no hindrances to what would be answered prayer for them. I mean, if there was anyone qualified to get a prayer answered, it would be these two. But now we can see, now the Bible says they're old, they're well stricken in years. They could be in their 80s, they could be in their 90s at this time, as was as with Abraham and Sarah. And the Bible says they were well stricken in years, meaning what they had been believing for, what they had been praying for all these years, now it was completely passed them by. They have lost their dream. In the natural. But what's so beautiful about this story is, listen kids, they never ever retreated from their faith in God and their obedience to his word. Neither did they retreat, listen, in their faithfulness to the house of God. Today there are so many distractions and we use every excuse available to man to not keep our faith in God not keep our faith in his word and not keep our faithfulness in his house. We use every excuse that we can. I mean, so you, you guys, it is, we should have lines of people waiting and lines of people waiting to serve God in the different areas of ministry. And yet it's extremely frustrating just to get someone to commit to one service a month on serving in an area. It's just completely frustrating. And then we wonder why we don't get the breakthroughs that we need. But this couple qualified in every area, and yet this prayer had not been answered. But I want you to look at verse 8, the first four words of that verse. It says, and it came to pass. It came to pass. This is what I want you to focus on this morning. Listen, the phrases, it came to pass, the, the phrases, it shall come to pass, and it came to pass, are found 463 times in the Bible. It shall come to pass was used both in the positive and the negative, which we'll look at in a moment. Many of those contained uh, promises to God's people, positive, for their faith in and their obedience to God. 
and that while others were warnings Israel had to heed to to avoid catastrophic outcomes from whatever they were facing at the time, both negative and positive. Then it came to pass, that phrase simply confirmed, listen, uh, confirmed the outcome of both the warnings or the promises. Okay, it came to pass, and you know, whatever it was, if positive or negative, it came to pass, you know it, because he tells us that. Now, I'll give you an example of this. It's found in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, and I'm going to read the New King James. It's on the screen. Watch this. Now, what are the next, what are the next uh, five words? It shall come to pass. Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. What are the two commandments that we're to obey today? Can anybody tell me? Yeah, didn't understand the word, did they? <laughs> I don't know why I asked that. Somebody shout, one person shouted out. Love God and love your neighbor. Boy, that simplifies it, doesn't it? Even a Norwegian can't catch that. Love God and love your neighbor. Isn't that beautiful? That's the commandments. Amen. So let's continue. That the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. And then he goes on and gives us 13 more verses of blessings. How many want to be blessed in life? Come on, raise your hand. I want to be blessed in life. I want to say, I want to be blessed in life. Everybody say, I want to be blessed in life. Amen. Verse 15. But it shall come to pass. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, then all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. So, just the opposite would happen. Blessings if you heeded to the word of God, and just the opposite if you exalted your individual will above God's. And decided you weren't going to love him and put him first. You decided you weren't going to love your neighbor, that stinking neighbor of yours. So just the opposite would happen. Now, look at back to verse 8, and we'll read this. So it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, this is Luke 1 verse 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now what does that mean? In the temple of the Lord, there was an altar of incense, and, they would, and that is where prayer would take place for the children of Israel. And they would, they would add incense, sweet-smelling incense to that, so that in the nostrils of God would, would rise up the incense of love and forgiveness instead of the stench of their transgressions. Isn't that cool? And so he's in there praying. The Bible says, verse 10, the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Say supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. That would scare anybody, wouldn't it? It sure would. And when Zechariah saw it, he was troubled and fear fell upon his face. Now notice verse 13. But the angel said unto him, fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. Now it never says anything about the time frame of his prayer. That could have been a prayer that they had prayed till about the time he no longer could produce 
uh, what was needed for a pregnancy, and therefore he had set that prayer aside. He said, no, nah, you know, up till now, uh, you know, mom and I were able to produce something, but now we're not able to. We're too old. So it really doesn't give a time frame, but God still remembered his prayer. I'm really glad that God remembers your prayer. I think you prayed 10 years ago, 15 years ago. He never lets it go. He don't forget. Shout a hallelujah. hallelujah. Thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall uh, bear thee a son. So we know what he was praying. He said, God, we are believing for a son. Now, we don't know when he prayed that, how long ago he let that go, or set it aside, but we know he prayed that once or twice or three times or for 30 years or 40 years in his or 50 years in his life. And he, she shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Now, how many say that is a great prophecy over your child? To be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know he was. In fact, the Bible says when, when, uh, when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, the Bible says little Johnny leaped in her belly. Woohoo! Woohoo! I'm sure he was just, you know, I just think he's in the belly. He's leaping for joy because in the belly of Mary is the seed of God's redemption. I mean, even little Johnny, some of, he jumped more than some of you would. <laughs> I love these stories. They're so beautiful. Let's go on. And for he shall be great. And verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Say this out loud. What a calling. What a calling. It really is. I mean, what a calling. I can't imagine what it must have been like. Not to, you know, I mean, God uses people. But let's give it, just give you an example of a couple. I can't imagine what it must have been like when little Billy Graham was inside of his mother's womb and only God knew what he would do. Literally lead hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. Is that awesome or what? Just one man. I'm sure I'm telling you, uh, when little Kennedy Hagan was inside of his mama's belly, I'm, I'm, I'm sure God was so excited to get him forth because only God knew his divine destiny, that he would make a difference. But I'm going to believe that God is just as thrilled when you make a difference in one person's life uh, on this side of heaven. God is thrilled with that. God is pleased with that because every one of us have a calling, and that is to be a light, a light to the world that is sitting in darkness. So, against all of the odds... Against all of the odds that was promised some 730 years prior, it came to pass. Say, it came to pass. And all God needed on this side of heaven was someone who had the faith to believe his word, listen, and the endurance to hold on to it till it come to fruition, until he had it in his hands. Amen. Say, it came to pass. It really did. Hallelujah. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not get weird, tired. Let's not get tired of doing what is right. I've said that to God, even lately. God, I'm so tired. I mean, I just admit to you, I'm just so tired. Tired of the battles. Everybody said that? Tired of the battles. But then the Lord reminds me of these scriptures. And then I go, oops, sorry, Lord. <laughs> Let us not get tired of doing what is right. For after a while, say after a while. After a while. The Bible says we will reap a harvest of blessing. If we don't get discouraged and give up. Listen, for Abraham, his after a while became a 25-year journey before he held in his hands the promise of Isaac. 25 years after a while. 
And for him it was worth it. Every moment of every day it was worth it. That he stood upon the word of God and believed God for the impossible. Say it came to pass. For Moses... His after a while became a 40-year journey in the wilderness before he fulfilled his calling of leading the children of Israel out of bondage. But praise God, it came to pass. Say it. Amen. For David, before he stepped into his prophetic call of being king, anointed king over Israel, or stepped into that perfect calling, he journeyed for 13 years. His after a while lasted 13 years. But it still came to pass. Say it came to pass. See, we, we do. I mean, it's just part of the culture. That is, I mean, thank God. I mean, I love it. Every, when I get here in the mornings in the office, you know, I'll grab me a cup of coffee and I'll just enjoy a hot cup of coffee in the morning. But it cools off. So I, you know, years ago, you had to heat up the stove, boil the hot water, and sit in on hot water and keep boiling until it got warm. Now we stick in the microwave and 20 seconds later, whoa, 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 we have hot coffee. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, it's so wonderful. Technology is so wonderful. But the Word of God is not, not a microwave. That we confess it one day and boom, it comes. I dream of genie. It's not, the word, it's not the Word of God. It's not the Word of God. Amen. Faith and patience is a powerful force if you allow patience to have its perfect work. And I have an amen. Thank you, Lord. These lapses of times weren't written down to discourage us, but rather to encourage us that no matter how impossible or far away your dream is or how impossible the miracle you're hoping for may seem or no matter how big the mountain of adversity you're facing at this time in your life, God will honor your faith as much as he honored theirs and he will fulfill his promises to you if you'll stay in faith. And everybody say amen to that. Then your testimony, listen, to your children and your grandchildren will assure them that just as it came to pass for you, it'll come to pass for them. They want to see the manifested works of God in your life. The only reason we've got so many kids growing up and leaving the church is because they have not seen the consistency of God's presence in our lives. We've seen, they've seen more murmuring and complaining than they have seen answered prayer. God doesn't want that. Brother Hagen taught us years ago, if you're willing to wait forever, it won't take so long. That's really powerful. Verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, but this is impossible. I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to, to you with this good news. And now because you haven't believed me, you are to be stricken silent and not able to speak until the child is born. God knew that if he allowed Zechariah to speak freely, he would abort the promise with his confession. And we do that. We don't mean to do it, but we do that. We come to church, we hear the word of God, say, yes, I receive that. And by the next morning, Monday morning, we're complaining why, it, why, complaining why it, life is the way it is and things never change. I, I prayed yesterday and I cannot believe it didn't come to pass. So we are snared by the words of our mouth. That is why God told Joshua, you don't allow the children of Israel to speak one word when we're marching around Jericho because if they'll speak one word, it'll be a word of unbelief, a word of fear and hopelessness, and it will absolutely destroy the miracle that I'm about to do. 
So Zechariah stayed silent, and I love this story, for he stayed silent for the uh, whole nine months. Let's read it. For my words, and I love this phrase, I want you to get this, for my words will certainly come true at their pro proper time. I got to thinking about this, about my salvation, or your salvation, but I got to thinking about this. I have no idea, you know, even who was praying for me when I got saved, but I'm glad that somebody endured hell, endured all the challenges of life, and stayed in love, and stayed in faith, and, and, and stayed attentive to the Spirit of God, so that when I needed a prayer, they were there to pray for me so that I could get saved. Hallelujah. Vicki always tells me, it's just going through there, it isn't about you, it isn't about us, it's, you know, it's about God, you know, and so whatever you have to endure, always remember there's a miracle on the other side of your faith if you'll just stay in faith and trust God. Hallelujah. That's what God wants you to do. Amen. I love that. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. Meanwhile, the crowds outside were waiting for Zachariah to appear, uh, Zacharias, and wondered why he was taking so long. So when he finally came out, he couldn't speak to them, and they realized from his gestures that he must have seen a vision in the temple. See, he, the people don't know that he was the one that created sign language. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> So he stayed on at the temple for the remaining days of the temple uh, duties and then returned home. And soon afterwards, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. Thank God. See, for what? So, for, so what man re deemed impossible, God said it's possible. The proper time is coming. Said the proper time is coming. It really is. I mean, it is for you. you but you have to stay in faith. You have to keep trusting God. You have to remain faithful to God. No matter who else, I mean, if everybody around you doesn't, you know, aborts the mission, if they do it, you just stay in faith. You stay in faith. Uh, even as a husband or a wife, if you'll stay in faith, even if your partner doesn't, praise God, God will honor your faith. God will honor your faith. So Hebrews 13 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm, I'm winding this down. I just have a couple more things to say. John's birth was a prophetic promise. Listen to me. It was a prophetic promise. But listen. But every other promise in the word of God is also. Every promise of God you find is prophetic in nature. God spoke it. He enforced it. And it was for our benefit. Everyone, every promise. Listen, this miracle was a result of three divine forces at work. Number one, the word of God. God gave the promise. Number two, the spirit of God. And number three, the faith of God. They were all working together in perfect harmony. That is the recipe for miracles. Here it is. The word of God provides the promise. The spirit of God provides the power. And the faith of God provides the miracle. Let me say it again. I love this. The word of God provides the promise of God. The spirit of God provides the power of God. And the faith of God provides the miracle of God. You know, we always talk about, you know, they always talk about global warming, you know, stuff like this, you know, or shortages. There, are, there will never, ever be a shortage in, in, on earth, ever, ever, because God God made it to provide for man forever. Right. The only time, you know, anything gets cursed, you know, like real estate gets cursed is, I mean, is because man brings the curse on it through his disobedience. Even Israel, you go to Israel, it's all rocks. It's all rocks and sand. And, I mean, and yet they, they, provide a, they provide a huge amount of food for the world. Yes. Why? Because God blesses it. We went to Russia back in the early 80s. And you could drive, I mean, Russia's a huge piece of real estate. It's massive. They have, what, 11 time zones? They have 11 time zones. 
It's massive. And yet the ground is, the, we travel by bus across the country, black, rich soil, but completely cursed. Why? Because they declared there's no God. So, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and it will never stop. It will never stop. I don't care. It will, it, I don't care how much man abuses it. God, the earth is God's. It will always produce for the believers who follow God. Always. Always. So, the recipe for miracles are the word of God provides the promise, the spirit of God provides the power, and the faith of God provides the miracle. Every time you read the phrase, it came to pass, let that encourage you to know that every word of God, God honors. No matter how impossible, if you will believe his word, you will take a hold of it by faith. I'll give you an example. In Isaiah 53, it says this. And I have been praying for some of you earnestly regarding your healing. Because I want manifested healing in your bodies. I want that. And I believe it belongs to us. I believe we have a right to it. I believe it is the atonement. I believe it is part of your redemption. And here's, here's, here's the prophecy. Here, here's the prophecy. I'll turn to it. Um, this ain't my, in my notes, but I'll turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah, here's the prophecy, Isaiah 53. And it says this. I'll be real quick. It's, here's the prophecy. Isaiah 53, verse 2. Okay, verse 1. Who, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is Jesus. Revealed. Well, for he shall grow up before him... He, Jesus, shall grow up before God as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. So that's a prophetic promise. Come on. Lift your hand and give God praise that that's a prophetic promise. I mean, for your healing, that's a prophetic promise. Now, you don't have to get discouraged if nothing's happening right now in your body, but just keep proclaiming. Say, God, that covenant of healing belongs to me. I'm trusting you for restoration because that's between you and God. We can pray for you and we can believe God. Listen, many of the people, remember Jesus said to the woman who, who was caught in adultery, he said to her, neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin some more. Oh, no, no, excuse me. Go thy way and sin no more. <laughs> some of you got excited there for a second. Go thy way. And sin no more. And then uh, the, the man in the book of John, the ninth chapter, who he healed, he said to him, go thy way and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Do you understand that? So, you know, we cannot be careless with the things, but you can embrace the promise of God and keep trusting God. Keep trusting. So my point I'm making those two, my point of those two stories is this. That was an individual choice that she had to make. There were people probably listening around them that didn't even really receive or embrace what was being said to her. Therefore, it couldn't benefit them. But this was her. It was her responsibility now to obey God. Would you agree with me on that? See, because every time God shows you something in the Word of God, it's not for your wife, it's not for your neighbor, it's not for your brother, your sister, not for your kids. It's for you to embrace, to accept the responsibility of that truth into your life and walk it out. And so if God promises you healing, just simply every day get, him, get up in the morning and say, God, thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. That's one of his names. So that's a prophetic promise. It belongs to you.
Can I have an amen? Amen. One more verse and I'm done. Hebrews 6. And then we're going to pray together this morning. Believe God for miracles. He is, this is Hebrews 6. This is the message Bible. Because I, I want to encourage you with these words. And just read, when you read the word of God, my goodness, just read it with your heart. Just really embrace every word that's being said. When God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt putting his own reputation on the line. So God wasn't moved by time. He was not moved by the, the deterioration of Abraham's body. He wasn't moved by anything in the natural. He, the only thing that moved God was his promise. Amen. Watch this. When God made his promise to Abraham, remember he's 100 years old, Sarah's 90. Uh, uh, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, this is what God said, I promise that I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Now, why is this important? I, I've shared this so many times, but I'll share it one more time. Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed or Abraham's descendants? A a amen. If you be Christ, then be Abraham's seed and you're heirs to everything that was promised to Abraham. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, yes. Give God restored. Sarah's body was completely restored. Not all, listen, he had a whole lot more kids after Sarah. God fixed him. Hallelujah. <laughs> but what's so beautiful is this. Not that you're my age and want to have any more children. That's not the point. The point is, listen, don't limit God. Years ago, I wrote a, a song called Take the Limits Off of God. It's really a good song really got powerful words to it. So you have to take the limits off of God. Abraham did. But what's so beautiful, it says in the book of Genesis, the 13th chapter, that it was God who made Abraham very rich. So it wasn't just that he had his body restored. The man was very successful in business. Come on, guys and girls. I want you guys and girls successful in business. Hallelujah. So Abraham stuck it out. Say Abraham stuck it out. Amen. He, just, he stayed with God no matter what. He just stayed with God. He stuck it out and he got everything that had been promised to him. Now shout hallelujah. Everything he got. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal. They appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise. The authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, watch this, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Hallelujah. So he says, by his stripes you're healed, his promise is unchangeable. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah, thank you, God. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances, all circumstances, all difficulties, all setbacks, all losses. Hallelujah. Right into the very presence of God where Jesus running up ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the high priest of God who did two things. He, he, he decreed the blessing and received the tithe. 
He decreed the blessing and received the tithe. All I want for you to embrace is every time you read the words, it came to pass, do a search on it in your Bible. It came to pass simply means God keeps his word. It comes every time you see that phrase, it came to pass. Yes, I told you there's both positive stories and negative stories on that, all depending on the uh, decision God's people made. But on the positive side, every time you see it came to pass, you know that God honors his word. He hasn't changed. I know we're living in this 21st century, but God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. Now I'm going to give you one more bit of good news. I looked up the word 17 in the Hebrew just to see what it meant. The word 17 in the Hebrew means total victory. <laughs> listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.